So I always tell people property management, whether it's yours or somebody else's property, is not for everybody. Uh, it does take a lot of resilience. Um, the one thing I do really like about remote management is that it forces you to have systems and processes. And it forces you to have really good boots on the ground, which no matter if it was close or far away, you would want to have that. But it being far away, I actually think proximity is a huge myth. It's a false sense of security because you think that just because you're there. I have a funny story I can tell later about how it really clicked that this is I'm not the most qualified person to fix a toilet. Yeah, I'm showing up as if I I should be because I'm close by. So the, the person that's running a property far, far away just has to be okay not sweating the small stuff and knowing that things will happen, but that every problem has a solution. Welcome to Short-Term Rental Solutions, a show for hosts and property managers looking to overcome obstacles, maximize revenue, and optimize their short-term rental business by learning from the innovators who are designing the solutions that are shaping our industry. everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of Short-Term Rental Solutions. We are today going to be talking about investing out of state or remote investing and also remote property management. And that is something that I think a lot of people are intrigued about and are curious about the possibility of doing, but can be a little bit nervous about or not really know if it's feasible. And so today we have Stephanie Figueroa here with us who is walking the walk in addition to talking the talk, and she's going to be dishing to us all kinds of tips and actionable advice that can help us know whether that pathway could potentially be a good fit for us and our real estate investing. So Stephanie, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I am happy to be here. Awesome. So just take a second to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got into the short-term rental industry, and what your journey and your portfolio kind of looks like. Sure, sure. So I am a former registered nurse, still technically licensed, but I took the leap out of the hospital and into real estate. And pretty much how I found my way here, I wanted to not rely just on my W-2 or my nursing income. I wanted to have something grow. And so I almost went into e-commerce, but then was introduced to real estate. And after I like honestly watched a couple of YouTube videos, like the light bulb hit and I was like, all right, this is it. So and out of all the asset classes, Short-term rentals is what stood out to me. I felt like, you know, a lot of the stuff in the hospital setting really does translate into hospitality when it comes to managing and dealing with a lot of personalities. And so, and also just the the part about traveling and that was such a, at the time, novelty for me. And then just seeing that this was actually possible that you could have a property far away from you, you can run it, it can be a tax write-off for you, and it can make a lot more money for you. <laughs> than what would be typical like in a long-term rental, I was pretty much sold. So I started to, I started actually close by. I've done rental arbitrage, co-hosting, joint venturing, and owning my own properties. And I just love the short-term rental space. I think it's completely life-changing. And it's a really cool asset class just because you get to have the best of both worlds in terms of having a business, a real estate, but also a lifestyle component. And so I'm now a short-term rental realtor with Savvy Realty, and I help other people look for short-term rentals. I cover the Southern California market. So and fast forward, and I'm here now. That's amazing. That's great. And, you know, I love your story because I think it resonates with lots of people 
there's so many people who have had a completely different career, you know, or or they're probably maybe even still in that completely different career, but they've found short-term rentals one way or another and have been attracted to it by the exact same things that you mentioned. There's a lot of flexibility. There's a lot of tax advantages. That was what initially drew me to the industry. And ironically, like you, I also have a nursing background. I haven't been practicing for a number of years, but I agree 100% that the personality traits and the aspects of someone that makes them a really great, you know, healthcare professional rolls over and helps us be really caring and nurturing to our guests and really wanting to take care of them. So it makes perfect sense that when you found out about it, it just clicked instantly and, and here you are today. So one of the things that really stands out about you and was one of the things that I wanted to talk about on the show today was the fact that when you jumped in, you may have started initially with properties that were nearby you, but you quickly expanded and developed the confidence and the systems to be able to own and operate remotely. So kind of give us a sense of where, you're, where you've operated and or currently are still operating so that people can really understand the breadth that you cover in that aspect. Sure. So I am physically based out of Southern California, so I'm here, but I also run properties that are in Texas, Tennessee, and Florida. And yeah. so for me, I I like vacationing and traveling. So it it turned into, I realized the property that I first had, it was about 30 minutes away from me. And I did everything a beginner typically does, which is they they hover, they show up all the time. And before I really knew it, I was like, this is not sustainable. I cannot be coming after every single clean to inspect. It's just and having something, you know, having also a life too. So I started to really treat my property close by as if it were far, far away. At the time I was still, I was looking to, to buy. So this first one was an arbitrage. So it was kind of like a good way to get my feet wet. But meaning that, I, meaning that you rented it and then were putting that rental on Airbnb. Yes, yes. So I master leased it as, uh, the tenant to a landlord with permission to sublease it um, to short-term rental guests. So um, that's a uh, rental arbitrage means for everyone. That's here's the the term, but isn't quite sure what that means. But I don't know. For me, being in Southern California, I, I I've always lived here, and so I just was like, I really want to go out of state and just to see what that's like. And so that's kind of what started it. And then of course, a lot of it was just I like I wanted to really travel, so I'm like. What's going to force me to get out of California is getting something far away from me. That's great. You know, this concept of remote management, I think, you know, it's not necessarily for everyone. You know, there may be people who it's a better fit for them just to turn their properties over to a property management company. What do you feel are some of the personality traits or qualities that someone should have in order to potentially be a good fit? for doing this remote managing of their own portfolio? Great question. So I always tell people property management, whether it's yours or somebody else's property, is not for everybody. Uh, it does take a lot of resilience. Um, the one thing I do really like about remote management is that it forces you to have systems and processes, and it forces you to have really good boots on the ground, which no matter if it was close or far away, you would want to have that. But it being far away, I actually think proximity is a huge myth. It's a false sense of security because you think that just because you're there, 
I have a funny story I can tell later about how it really clicked that this is, I, I'm not the most qualified person to fix a toilet, yet I'm showing up as if I, I should be because I'm close by. So the, the person that's running a property far, far away just has to be okay not sweating the small stuff and knowing that things will happen, but that every problem has a solution so that, you know, someone who has a tendency to really, really need control may not want to do something far away just because you literally have no control half the time just because you're not there. So you have to rely on other people to be successful. And so I, I think for those personalities that just have a really that struggle with it that might not be for them but for those who really are okay with learning how to give away control and operate successfully with a good team you know this could be a good option for you yeah exactly well you've totally teased us now we got to hear that story <laughs> that you alluded to sure sure so long story short i got a phone call from a guest and turns out the toilet was over flooding and so I fortunately was somewhat close by, so I decided, okay, I'm just going to drive there, me and my partner, and I, I have, like, I'm not a plumber, so what did I do when I, when I got to the property? Besides, you know, just, I actually brought cupcakes for the guests because I was like, I'm so sorry this happened, even though it's, I, I, I didn't, I didn't clog the toilet. I called a plumber, and it took, I spent, like, two, three hours there just because, and I'm like, I really didn't have to be here to be able to handle this. So from then, I really decided to make the dis like I made the decision. I'm going to pretend like I'm not close by and call the right people to fix the problems that um, that's going on. So that's the story where I was pretending to be a plumber, thought I could fix the toilet and then was like, nope, I'm going to call a plumber because they're the professionals, not me. Exactly. Yep. I think that, uh, you know, I have never been in a situation. I have only ever remote managed. I, the, I have a property that's about two hours north of me. And then my other property is clear across country, kind of like the ones that you have in like Tennessee and Florida and stuff. And so I never had to go through that transition of like cutting myself away from micromanaging my local properties because it never was even a possibility. And you know, another thing that I think holds people back is fear of how much time it was, it's going to take them to be doing the management. So, you know, how much time would you actually say that you put in to any given property, you know, a week or a month or what does that look like for you? Honestly, nowadays for me, it's probably closer to, I'd say less than four hours a week, just because at this point, the systems are there. Usually if it's a brand new property, then I, I monitor those much more closely just because things always fall through the cr cracks in the very beginning. You thought it was synced. Guess what? It wasn't. <laughs> but nowadays it's only about four hours, but that's truly because I am relying a lot on the systems to work. And I've also evolved to where now I have virtual assistants that I've trained from the ground up to help me and basically be my clone so that I don't have to be the person on call all the time. They are able to do that now for me. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, I definitely want to pick your brain a little bit more about that. I agree with you. It's as far as the time, getting a property set up and into service takes a tremendous amount of time. There's a ton of work there, getting it just so and guest ready. But once it's up and running, the day-to-day -day operations 
actually aren't super labor intensive, especially if you're just running a personal individual portfolio of a handful of properties. Of course, as you scale, you know, if you get into property management and start managing other people's properties, then you have to, you know, kind of go to the next level of creating systems and operations that can help. So you don't have to do everything all by yourself. But by and large, for me, with my individual portfolio that I manage, it's about as much work as exchanging a text message with someone. You know, whether I'm messaging guests or messaging a member of my team. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, a couple of times a month, I may sit down and do some bookkeeping work. But on the day to day, it's really only about as much effort as, like I said, exchanging a couple of messages. So people who are intimidated by it and are concerned that that they may not have the time to do it. If you set it up right, it it really is feasible by and large for most people. The caveat I will put to that is you kind of have to always be on call until like what you said, you may have remote team members or whatnot that are supporting you so that you can have more freedom to step away and know that, you know, randomly you get a message. You need to, that needs, that message needs to be responded to right away, whether it's you or someone else. And so even though it's just as easy as replying to that message, you never know when those messages are going to come in. So, and sometimes that's a really inconvenient time. So it may not take a lot of time, but you need to be prepared initially to be available to take care of issues or questions that come up whenever they come up. Oh, yeah. You're, you're somebody who always has to be paying attention to guest communications, whether it's you or somebody else. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot about, you know, your remote team, the team on the ground. That that really is. I, I echo that. The key that unlocks the ability to remote manage the people that are actually physically there in proximity to your property, the cleaners, your maintenance people, a quality control person. But people are really nervous. You know, I may, you know, live clear across country. How in the world am I going to find someone that I know I can count on and trust and they're going to take care of my property and make sure it's really well prepared for my guests? Imagine that you are, you know, needing to find a new set of cleaners or needing to find some of those team members. Walk us through what that process looks like for you. I have done that where I didn't work out with the first person. I've learned since then really vetting and taking time to hire somebody is super important and not to rush it, especially so everything starts remotely. I always start with either email, text, phone call, or some mixture of the two. So a lot of the ways I find my cleaners, easiest is always a referral, but sometimes you go into market and you don't know anybody, which is actually happens more time, more often than not for myself. So uh, I love Facebook groups. It's a really great tool. I don't think people, they kind of see it as, oh, it's a distraction. Like that's only because you're looking, you're using it for the like entertainment purposes. I'm using it for business. And so I found a lot of my cleaners that way. And so I'll, like I said, I'll jump on a phone call with them. I have um, a questionnaire and a lot of it is based off of, you know, are they able to, or do they have experience working, not just cleaning short-term rentals, for example, but working with remote owners? Because just like a, a contractor, you know, they have to be okay with going, doing a little bit extra work because I can't be there. So I might have to ask them to, you know, change a light bulb or something like that, that might not necessarily just be straight cleaning. Um, because the truth about short-term rentals, you're not just cleaning the property, you're resetting the property. And there's like an owner's closet, there's things to keep, make sure that they stay in stock. So 
really being able to vet and have options in the beginning is huge. Um, because if something doesn't work out, you know, you already have somebody that you talk to that was maybe your second or third choice. You just can't hire more than one. So you just fall on them to say, hey, you know, we met at a while back. I am in, like, I want to work with you if you have availability to take new clients on. So never burn your bridges is one thing I've always I tell people, you know, just because it didn't work out, communicate that, hey, you know, uh, it didn't work out with you. But if it ever changes, you know, I'll let you know, because at least then you're keeping the door open because you never know. You might have to pick up the phone and, and ask for help. So I, that's that's what's happened to me. Yeah. And I agree with that. One of the properties that I manage is actually in a more of a rural setting and kind of a much tighter labor market than my other property. And so particularly nurturing those relationships and kind of establishing a network of potential people that you can work with. So the tip to never burn your bridges, that's a really good one. But I definitely think that people need to not be so afraid of the process of finding someone new that it that they end up staying with team members who aren't actually serving their business well, because it's okay. You're going to be able to find someone. It is better to make that transition and find a good fit for your business than to potentially have property not thoroughly cleaned or little things, those little touches that make your property stand out and be a five-star property. Um, you definitely need someone that's willing to kind of according to what the standards are for your business, be willing to kind of rise to the bar that you've set for your operations. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I always tell people, especially when you are doing this remotely, you don't expect people like if you give somebody a checklist, I've learned that doesn't quite work that well in other markets just because they have their process, you know. And so I go now and ask people like, hey, tell me what your standard is with cleaning. And then I make the determination whether this actually works for me and if it's a good fit. And if not, that's okay. But I do think sometimes people have this mis I mean, it, there's a difference between standards and expectations in the sense that, you know, for you to go tell somebody, this is how I want you to clean my house and I want you to get every single item. I, I've had it happen where a cleaner communicated with me once that I focus more on your checklist than cleaning <laughs> the property. Because that, that's all I have. So it's one of those things where it really prioritized like what actually needs to be done per turn versus if and that maybe an inspector needs to be the person to take on more of those checks instead of the actual cleaner. So that's my take. Yeah. Well, what are some red flags that you've run into over the years of hiring and letting people go? Like, what are some things that immediately make you, you know, kind of wonder? I definitely, a deal breaker for me is <clears throat> like there's different sizes of cleaning companies. So I always want to make sure that there's a backup <clears throat> because the first, last thing I want is, uh, and I've asked the question like, so, you know, how many people are on your team? And if they tell me, oh, there's two. And I'm like, okay, how many houses do you have? Oh, we have 12 houses. And I'm thinking, oh man, that's a, that's a lot. Like, can you even accommodate a same day check-in? And so and I've noticed sometimes people will tell you what they what you what they know you want to hear just because they want the business. But I mean, think about it. You know, like if you were them, that's a lot of houses. Let's say on a Sunday, one of the busiest days of the week, are they going to do a good job if it's just the two of them? So a red flag for me is like, yeah, how big is your team? What's your game plan if you don't if you're not able to to make it? 
Another one is insurance too, making sure that they have license and insurance. So if something happens, it's not, they have their own coverage for their people. Also making sure too, that they like, can you, have you worked with other short-term rental operators out of state before? Because there is a sense of trust you have to have with your cleaners. It's actually, you're the MVP of the team. This person has is your eyes and ears and everything. And you want to make sure that they are trustworthy. And a lot of people, I think, have a hard time. So if they have a really good track record working with other hosts, that's a good sign. I always caution if they've never done it before, just because I'm not sure if I want to be the guinea pig for them <laughs> in the beginning. So yeah, lots of different angles with this. Oh, totally. Absolutely. So, you know, okay, remote managing, investing out of state, what are some ways that you help lighten the load and, you know, make it manageable? Uh, I rely on my channel manager. I will pay extra just to have the right automations in place. So a lot of it is taking stuff off the plate so that you're, because there's, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, for me, in, being in different time zones of my properties, I have to really make sure that things are populating on my locks, especially because, for example, when I, I traveled to Tennessee and then my California property became long distance. With that time change, I'm going to go to sleep soon if it's that late and my VA's off and somebody might be checking in. So making sure that you know, things are checked and having standards or on SOP, standard operating procedures, and making sure that they're followed to a T every time there's a check-in and check-out, that makes things so much more manageable. So it, it really is a systematic approach. And I think some people, they don't quite see it that way. And they kind of just, they're reactive instead of proactive. So I really think there's, you want to have a plan for the day uh, it's so funny because this was something my old, uh, my old boss used to tell us in case management and nursing, plan for the day, plan for the stay. And that's so true even with short-term rentals because admission and discharge became check-in and check-out. And so and I, I relay everything from nursing to real estate. And so being able to remotely manage to me is not as difficult when you have a standard process per property and they all are pretty uniform just because it is the same thing in each market, just with a little bit nuances here and there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you alluded to using remote team members or VAs. What types of things are you delegating to them? So uh, their responsibilities include uh, guest communications, vendor communications. If let's say something breaks, I have taught them how to get a quote <laughs> from a vendor ask about the trip charge. How much is the trip charge? Is that going to go towards the fix? Stuff like that, that people don't think to relate to someone supporting them, especially when my VAs are overseas. So uh, you can't assume that they know what's in your head. Uh, and the other bit I like is that, again, it just, it forces you to have to get what's in your head because you have a process, but it forces you to get on paper. So having that they handle the check-in, check-outs, making sure guests leave, you know, check the cameras, check the locks. They also do a little bit of marketing for me too. So if we have some, you know, vacancies coming up and it's a little bit slow, I'll have them go and, and market it for me. I also have it to where they'll, they'll create listings for me too. So if I have a new property, they know how to build the listings and they know how to 
I teach them how to change like the titles, the descriptions, photo captions with chat GPT and stuff like that. So they basically run the the day-to-day uh, for the most part on almost everything now, <laughs> so which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it makes a huge difference when you're thinking of, you know, remote managing and investing out of state. So how did you go about training them? So I did this in a RIM style, meaning I started with um, just guest communications for week one. I pretended like they know nothing about short-term rentals or Airbnb. So we basically did like short-term rentals 101. Like what, like I, it's the basics, like the difference between a trip request and an inquiry, <laughs> stuff that you wouldn't think. Like if it's this, it's that. So first week to week and a half is, is that, just short-term rental basics. And then also learning the software. So I use Loom videos to train my VAs on how to use the channel managers. Also just like what is, what should you do from step one to step five? And so we use Asana as our task management tool. So they have to check off, you know, this guest leave. Did they do this? I eventually like week two to week three to four, I'll start to introduce markets one at a time to them. And the last thing I give them ever is vendors. Um, But what's really cool is actually, and this was something from the last time we spoke, I have a VA agency now. So (laughs) I'm able to source virtual assistants for other people and have them have a baseline knowledge so that you don't have to teach them those little things that I taught my virtual assistants. But for someone who wants to have that control or is okay training, I think doing it in a ramp style and then having property master lists for each property in each market is huge with training because they will never see the property probably unless they are close by. So videos, videos too. I do video walkthroughs of every property, open all the cabinets. If the, where is the, how do we reset a breaker? You know, where is the electrical panel? Stuff like that. So it's really coming in with the mindset of how do you show somebody that has never been, knows zero about this area or this like specific property, what should they know? And so having pictures, videos, the master list, and then the listings themselves, and then kind of like a frequently asked questions list, sometimes like guests ask, oh, is this a windy road? I have them create their own FAQs for themselves so that they're not asking the same questions or they know what to say to guests. So that's how I've trained my virtual assistants. <laughs> it does take a little bit of it's time, but it's it's so worth it. <laughs> yeah, well, because it provides you that freedom. Not have to worry about, you know, every little thing all the time, constantly being, you know, on call when you're traveling or flying or out of cell service for one reason or other. Even if, you know, there's certain parts in the area near me where, you know, if I go through a certain canyon or something, I'll have a period of time where phone calls won't come through. So... I mean, those are the things that when you take on self-managing your own property, you need to figure out a system for. And so that's, I mean, that's a really, really big deal. Okay. So we, you know, potentially have listeners or viewers here now who've been tuning into the show that are, you know, their eyes are opened to this possibility of remote managing and, hey, it's actually more realistic and feasible. So now they're thinking, all right, I hadn't really considered out-of-state investing. And maybe I'm interested in that now. Talk to us about, you know, the kind of questions you need to be asking real estate agents as you're, you know, 
looking into different markets and beginning those conversations. How can you know if you're working with a real estate agent who's going to be able to help you with kind of the nuances of buying a short-term rental? Absolutely. So every single short-term rental we've bought, we've always had short-term rental agents specifically, just because not only are they familiar, it's really great when they themselves are investors of sorts, especially in short-term rentals, just because when you're looking at an STR, you're not just buying the property, you are looking at it from the standpoint of, is this going to operate well as a short-term rental is the the neighborhood, the area. I will say it always starts with market research. I always tell people, if you're going to do this out of state, you it's always, you want to want to go there. <laughs> you know, if you don't want to go there, you're, I always feel like you're kind of doing it wrong with short-term rentals. This isn't a long-term rental. You should have some desire or attraction to that area. And then after that, it's about, okay, dialing it into which market. And that's the point where you're going to want to start talking to short-term rental realtors. And, yeah. you know, they can help with projections. They typically have tools like Savvy. We have AirDNA. So I have people text me, you know, I'm interested in this property. It looks like it might do this, but, you know, what's your take on it? And so I have a lot of insight just through my own tools. I can see, you know, MLS details that it's not shown to the public on, hey, what should we know about this? Like, though there's an HOA, maybe you don't want to do it there. Just because usually HOAs, I have, I have yet to really find a handful that allow short-term rentals. But a, a regular realtor may not be thinking that way. You know, they're not thinking about, they'll think regulations, but then that's about it. You know, they don't know what questions to ask. How many permits are left? What's the process? How long will it take? You know, is there some sort of barrier that one should know. And short-term rental realtors will know to ask these questions. And so at least when that, or they'll think these questions at the very least. So if you're wanting to interview an STR realtor, I would always say, first off, you know, know that every short-term rental realtor is going to be biased to their market. And that's totally fine. You want them to be. There's a reason why they're there. But, to, but ask them the questions about, you know, if, I always say it's it's more like the property itself, because if you're I've bought stuff sight unseen. And so I really relied on my realtors to take really good videos. I want the truth, you know, and a lot of short term rental realtors are not going to sugarcoat this when they themselves invest in short term rentals. They'll tell you you should watch for this. Hey, this is on a busy street. You know, it may not be ideal if you want to go forward. I just want you to know that so that you have an informed decision. Short-term rental realtors also are not going to want you to get a, a bad deal. And that's the truth of it. So I always tell people, I, I look at it on if, would I want to buy this house? Because if I do, you know, that's a good sign. If I'm like, I don't really think this is a good idea. That's already a, a hallmark sign of, should you rethink, you know, this specific property that you might brought up? So I, I really think that transparency and honesty with short-term rental realtors versus those that are not is crucial because I don't want you to just buy a house. I want you to get a good investment that you're going to make money off of for years to come. That That's my biggest priority is that if you're going to entrust not just the property, but the hopefully, you know, the area, you want that transparency. And so I've had that with every short-term rental realtor I've ever been with. And I'm grateful because 
we realize that you depend on us to be your eyes and ears and sounding board because you're in a state of, you know, am I, is this going to be a good investment? You know, how's the area? You start to get almost emotional about it. I, I've realized that. And I myself did the same thing as a buyer. It's hard to sometimes separate the two. And so a good short-term rental realtor will be able to give things to you objectively. And that is what you need versus what you want. <laughs> oh, 100%. The objectivity, that's great. Because, yeah, whether you're buying a house to live in or buying a house to invest in, it can be hard sometimes to take out the emotional component. You fall in love with, you know, one aspect or the other, but, you know, maybe the numbers really don't pencil out as much as, you know, in a sense that it truly makes sense to do this as an investment. You have to be able to, you know, stand back and look at things objectively. So great feedback there. Great input. Stephanie, I can't believe it. This, this episode has gone so quickly. I have loved having this conversation with you. and you know, lots of food for thought here for people who have maybe been considering or would love to invest out of state, but had reservations, didn't really know what that would look like. And then also whether if they do invest out of state, whether they can hang on to it and self-manage it versus feeling like they really have no viable option other than to turn it over to a property management company. So it definitely is some work to remote manage. You definitely have to be willing to put in some time and effort, but Stephanie and I can both say that it is possible. And if you're willing to put in that time and effort, totally feasible. So Stephanie, before we let you go, why don't you tell people how they can connect with you and the types of things you can do to help them? Sure, sure. So I'm pretty active on Instagram. So my handle is just my name at Stephanie Figueros. You can find me on Facebook. You can join me at the strsuccesscircle.com. If you're looking for a VA, um, bravovirtualassistance.com is that website. And if you're looking to buy, sell a short-term rental, Savvy.Realty is the short-term rental brokerage that I'm with. And so would love to help you get your next property. Fantastic. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. Before I let you go, I just want to say, if you haven't made your way over to STR Hub, be sure to do that because we've got all kinds of information, not only about the technology, but also service providers like Stephanie, who can help you move forward your short-term rental business and put together systems and operations. So we've got realtors, lenders, I mean, all kinds of people and the technology providers. So hop on over there, check out our guides and the various resources we have. Our goal is to really help you have success and move forward in your short-term rental business. So thanks again for joining us today. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you could spare a moment, please leave the show a quick review. Your review helps us help more hosts and property managers like yourself. By the way, if you're a realtor, lender, bookkeeper, accountant, interior designer, or other professional who specializes in serving the short-term rental industry, we need to get you listed on STR Hub and start spreading the word about your services. So reach out to me via email, Christiane at strhub.com. Thanks again for listening and be sure to join me next time to catch my latest conversation with the innovators designing the solutions that are shaping our industry.